Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And, of course, they have Junior Bergen T-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. For unquestionably committed coverage of Montana, Montana State, and Big Sky Conference athletics from a homegrown local source, you can count on Skyline Sports. The grassroots news-gathering organization is owned and operated by Coulter and Brooks Nuanas, a pair of Missoula natives and University of Montana graduates. For the best sports journalism in the state, you can choose to buy local when you choose to buy Skyline Sports. For $8 a month or $90 a year, you can get the best coverage available at SkylineSportsMT.com. Skyline Sports, every day every season. Another great weekend in the NFL, just dominating the sports landscape. <laughs> oh, amazing. Good to be with you. It's Sutel Nuanas, ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. How D across the state. If you're looking for us on the World Wide Web, you can find us on the World Wide Web, 1029ESPN.com. You go there, you listen live all the time on the stream. The stream is Available thanks to Opportunity Bank of Montana. Opportunity Bank, your local bank, your opportunity. You want to pick up your phone and call, you can do that. 361-3688. All guests join us via the Rankage Brothers RV phone line. And if you missed anything in the first hour, we got the podcast for you. Rate, review, subscribe, you get it. Whenever it's ready, after the show, each and every day, hour one, hour two, coming at you. The podcast is available thanks to Blackfoot communications Coulter every Thursday and every Monday we talk NFL around here and specifically uh, as we are happy once again to be the uh, uh, official Western Montana affiliate of the now 3-0 Seattle Seahawks we start with the Seattle Seahawks and their win over the Dallas Cowboys 38-31 to uh, Russell Wilson just Again, 27 of 40, 315 yards, five touchdowns, should have been six, no interceptions on the day. Uh, That, to set it off, this is the difference between good quarterbacks and Russell Wilson. Okay, Dak Prescott 
threw for 472 yards in this football game and played really well. 37 of 57, okay, for 472 yards, had three touchdowns throwing the ball, but also ended up with two interceptions, and his team was just playing, you know, just one step behind, basically, Seattle and their offense. Both these defenses just had nothing really for the other offense. Uh, what I was surprised about was the lack of efficacy of Ezekiel Elliott in this football game. You thought if the Dallas Cowboys had an advantage that that's probably where it was. And he, the, the Seahawks, you know, give him credit, largely shut him down. And it was, you know, it was a throwing type of game. I mean, 57 times through the air for Dak Prescott because it was not this thing where it was a blowout and then it was a comeback. It was just kind of tit for tat. I think it was 9-9 at the end of the first quarter, and then it was, uh, I think, 23-15. First game, are you ready for this, Coulter, in the history of the league that was 23-15 at halftime? Wow. Turn you on. There you go. Now you can say it. Wow. Yeah, wow. I mean, what are the chances? I don't know. Uh, but I thought this game highlighted, again, everything that we've thought good about the Seahawks and what we continue to go. But there's there's clear deficiencies in this football team. And basically, at this point, it just doesn't matter because Russell Wilson and the offense is making up for it. By the way, uh, DK Metcalf. 110 yards and a touchdown. We'll get into his absolute gaff, his unforgivable gaff in this game. But how about Tyler Lockett? Nine for a hundy and three. Count them up. One, two, three touchdowns on the first half for Tyler Lockett on those three touchdowns. So an unbelievable uh, day in terms of productivity for him. Chris Carson, he got rolled up by Tristan Hill, and this is a play that a lot of Seahawks fans are very upset about, and I think people around the league don't like. It's like the the tackle followed by the alligator roll where you got the guy's leg and you just keep spinning. Uh, it has been classified by the team as a, quote, minor knee sprain, uh, which is obviously good news. Nonetheless, he was, you know, down for quite a while on the ground, and and needlessly so. Like, it wasn't even a football play. Like, what are you doing? You know, rolling a guy up and then just keep rolling over with his leg and twisting like that is unacceptable. And I think Tristan Hill uh, will have the requisite attendance of of his actions made uh, either within his own team or later on by others on other teams who uh, don't appreciate that very much. The play of this game, though, to me, in terms of like the most memorable play was an absolute bomb shot from Russell Wilson to DK Metcalf, who got way behind the secondary, dropped it in the basket. And I thought this was what, which Super Bowl was it when Leon Lett got caught by Don, Don Beebe? Yep. Uh, it was the exact same situation. I mean, he, now why he thinks he's in the end zone with nobody there, I have no idea. Even though he's five yards past the defender, the defender's sprinting with him. And he catches the thing at the 10 yard line and just slows up and struts and starts dancing and has the thing batted out of his hands it's not even close it's not like he he was a yard and a half from the end zone when that thing got hit from behind what out the back of the end zone is a fumble and therefore a touchback going in the other direction this is the strongest thing that i can think of to say about that is disrespecting the game like you can do something that makes you look silly you could do something that hurts your team but when you do something like that, you're disrespecting the game. And I think that is a it's a lesson that DK, I have no question, is learning at this very moment. He 
I don't know if you can say he made up for it. He did score another big touchdown later in the game, and his team did win the football game, so you don't go back to that play and go, you know, the Seahawks are 2-1 and one because of you. That said, that's a sixth touchdown pass that's just off the board. And also in a game that ultimately is close, a one-score game, you got no idea how that can go, but you just can't do that. I mean, it, it's 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 unacceptable in so very many ways. And I know you want to be, you know, whatever. You want to be sweet, but all you are is an idiot in that moment. And as much as I think DK Metcalf is a, a, a great and going to be a great wide receiver for Seattle for years to come, and what he and Russell Wilson have together, this is one that you have to be very thankful it didn't actually hurt your team in terms of the outcome of the game. And if I'm, you know, Pete Carroll, if I'm other guys on that team, this isn't like, a, hey, man, you got to figure it out. This is a sit down and and absolutely a riot. I'm not saying yelling and screaming, but I'm saying a no question, no holds bar. They do truth telling Monday. You know, I, I expect that that play is shown up in front of the whole team. And you get to stand here and look at yourself, be, you know, be an idiot in the context of a football game. And you get to wear that this week because that's we're we're not having that, you know. Well, Pete Carroll is already quoted as saying that uh, it will not be addressed again because it's already been addressed. And he guaranteed that DK Metcalf will never do that again. I think that's true. And that's the one. This is the one where. I like DK Metcalf. I think DK Metcalf's a, a a good a good person, good dude from what I'm you know from what I see uh, and and have heard about him. So even though it was a diva act, a prima donna act, I don't think he is a diva particularly or a prima donna. I think it was a moment that was a foolish one and one that he you know that he has to deal with and make recompense for. With all that said, the Seattle Seahawks look. Absolutely unstoppable on offense, man. They look unstoppable on offense. They haven't played anybody that's good on defense yet, though. I mean, the Patriots are pretty good, but they're not as good as they once were. They had a lot of people opt out. Uh, I'm going to take you on a little winding journey here, Okay, so stick with me. Okay. On Saturday, yes. KJ Costello lit the college football world on fire. He threw for 623 yards and five touchdowns to lead Mississippi State to a 44-34 win over LSU. Yes. That in itself was the number one headline maker of the weekend. You have the defending national champions. I believe the first time the defending national champions had dropped their season opener Mm. since 1978. Wow. Comes with a caveat because almost always the defending national champion plays a nobody. Plays a nobody or, you know, they don't, they're not opening their season the third or fourth weekend of September. Uh, Also by Kansas State gets Oklahoma. Uh, Kansas State beats Oklahoma for a second straight year. Yeah. So Chris Kleiman's got Lincoln Riley's number right yeah, now. Yeah. KJ Costello's 623 yards was an all-time SEC record. Yes. On one hand, when you talk about you lose Joe Burrow, who had arguably the greatest offensive season in the history of college football at LSU last year to win the Heisman Trophy, you win your offensive court, you lose your offensive coordinator. What's what's that kid's name? The twenty-nine-year-old wonder kid, yeah, Joe, who went to he went to the NFL. He's he's yeah. one of the Sean McVay. He was tree. with the Saints and then went to LSU, to LSU and then transferred year. back yeah. out. And yeah. he's one of Sean McVay's boys. He's from the same tree as Zach Taylor. All these guys that yeah. had lunch with Sean McVay once. Now they're you know NFL coaches. But 
it worked. I mean, Joe Burrow threw 60-plus touchdown passes, one of the most ridiculous seasons in the history of college football. You could kind of expect a letdown because it's not just Burrow, but you also lose. Oh, they. I, I think uh, they, they, they put like 10 dudes in the well, league. I think they had six first-round draft picks. Yeah. Right. Including Patrick Queen, who's a starting middle linebacker for the Ravens, the kid from uh, for for the Bucks, who's a starting inside linebacker. You have uh, Edwards Hilaire, who's a starting running back for the defending Super Bowl champions. They returned three starters to that football team, three. So then, this gets me to a point that we won't go down too far down this rabbit hole because I know that around this neck of the woods, I'm in the severe minority in my absolute disdain for everything Mike Leach. But yes, you are. I was not one ounce surprised that Mississippi State beat LSU because of the perceived letdown from everything that they lost, but also because when you're new, it anything that is new gives you such a definitive advantage in football because coaches are so accustomed to strategy and answering when they predicted what the move was going to be. It's why Matt Nagy won 10 games his first year in the NFL, even though Matt Nagy's not a good coach, although I know he has somehow the Bears at 3-0. and You saw the fall from grace that a team can have just from the pure fact that people have film on you. Stick with me here, though. Great win by Mississippi State. The fact that Mike Leach is who he is, and then you go post that win, even though I think his shtick is tiresome and it drives me nuts, it doesn't mean that it's not gigantic for your school. It's branding the exposure you're going to receive. But despite 623 yards and five touchdowns, despite beating the defending national champions by 10 points, would you agree Mississippi State is in no way still a college football playoff contender? I mean... What's Mississippi State's over-under for wins this year? After what you saw on Saturday? Eight? I have no idea. i got to look at their schedule. If they got eight... I mean, how many well, games I guess, they okay, play? I guess they're not playing 12 games. Uh... Let's say they're playing an eight-game schedule. What's their over-under for wins? Five? No. I mean, if they're playing an eight-game schedule and they already got one, they could win easily six games. Okay. The point I'm trying to make is, are you ready to anoint Mississippi State as a top-ten team in the country? I'm not ready to anoint anyone as anything. This is my whole point, though. Throwing for a bunch of yards and scoring a bunch of points, it's what? Scared ADs try to hire in college football. It's also one of the biggest band-aids that doesn't actually stop any bleeding can do in the NFL. And what I'm getting at is I think the Seattle Seahawks have the most potent offense in the NFL right now, including the Green Bay Packers. Russell Wilson's playing at an unbelievably high level. I think that although Tyler Lock- I think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf individually are pretty good players that are absolutely elite players with when they're with each other and they're with Russ. That said, I think that what the Seahawks got rolling right now is absolutely good enough to win their division, which is the best division of football. I still don't think it's good enough to win the conference or win the Super Bowl because I think that their weaknesses are glaring enough that when they play premier teams late in the year in playoff win-or-go-home situations, it's going to be a so much more of a severe issue than it is right now. And the reason I bring up the Mississippi State thing is that I think that a lot of times you're putting lipstick on a pig by throwing for 10 million yards and scoring a bunch of points. It works more often in college football than it does in the NFL, but it still has almost never worked to the fullest fruition. We have never seen a true air raid spread team win the, win the 
championship, just like the Chiefs are probably the closest thing we've seen to a true light-up-the-scoreboard type team to win the Super Bowl, but they wouldn't have been able to do it without the awesome defense they had a year ago, too. And I guess what I'm saying is that I think that the Seahawks deserve so much credit for redefining themselves. They absolutely do. Because if they were playing the same style that they've been playing the last 10 years with the same problems that they have on the offensive and defensive lines, they're not winning any games. They could be 1-2 and right now. But they're winning games because they're letting it loose and they're emphasizing the places that they do have talent. That said, I just think it's a, I think it's a completely different path to the exact same result. Uh, I completely disagree. Well, I disagree with most of what you said. Uh, where I don't disagree with you is like if if you sit if you want me to like anoint the Seattle Seahawks at three and zero that I'm looking at right now is like my pick to go to the Super Bowl from the NFC. I'm not doing it. Okay, so I'm with you on that. And I guess I guess everything that I just said brings me to this question. Then it's easy to see that the Seahawks are so much more different. They're so much different than they have been. Are they in any way better? Well, yes, they're better offensively. They're scoring more points offensively, and they're going to keep scoring points all season long. They here's the thing: the NFL ain't college football. Why? Well, because there's a salary cap, right? Like you, you have to decide how and where you're going to get players and what, where you're going to cut costs and where you're not going to cut costs, you know. And the Seahawks have whatever. I don't. I have no idea what what you know Schneider and the the books look like in terms of salary cap and all of that kind of stuff. They got money, but you can only anybody in the NFC. You can only be as good as you can be in relationship with the dollars that you got. And if they got more money than anybody in the NFC, then good for them. And it wouldn't surprise me if they go and try and find somebody. But guess what? They're going to. I think they absolutely have to, and I think that they will. And and maybe they will. But here's the thing. You have to be good in both directions in order to win a Super Bowl. Or you have to be okay and elite. And the Seahawks are elite on offense, and they are middling on defense. And if you are middling on defense... History says you're not winning the Super Bowl. Exactly. So I'm with you on that. Okay. But it glad you came around on this. I, I didn't come around. I never went anywhere. Whatever. You said they're the best team in the NFL two weeks ago. No, I did not. I said Mike Greenberg said that they're the best team in the NFL, and I'm not prepared to go there, but that's one person's opinion who does pay attention to this stuff. Greeny says that, and my point is you're the one who's come around on this because you were sitting no. here saying the Seahawks were terrible this whole time, no, and then I when you watch them play, you go, oh, wow, this team is now the team that you've picked to win the division that's the best division in well, football. Well, I think that they're pick- I pick them to win the division because of the best team in that division is not that team anymore and they know they will not be that team ever uh, again this season the san francisco 49ers are they're not going to come back there's no coming back from what they've gone through their best player is out so you can't come back from that i think this is exactly what i think about the seattle seahawks i think that they are going to have the exact same results as they've had for the last seven years they're going to win 11 games. They're going to make the playoffs. They're going to win a playoff game, and they're going to lose after that. Coulter, if you win 11 games and win your division and win a playoff game, you are in the NFC Championship game. Okay? That is an unbelievable season. If you're it's go- not if you're, if you're the Seahawks, though, because you have Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. No. It should be championship or bust. Did the Clippers have an unbelievable season this year? No, for the Clippers. No, but when you have Kawhi Leonard and you don't, when you trade ten thousand draft picks to build the team that is a win now team, and then you don't win, that's a failure. 
if you have Russell Wilson in his definitive prime for maybe the one year and one year alone ever in his career that he's going to be considered the best quarterback in the NFL and you don't win the Super Bowl, to me, that's a failure. Well, I think that's absurd. I mean, you have if you win a Super Bowl, it is a it, it is an unbelievable accomplishment. But are but you ha- are you happy with all the th- results of the Green Bay Packers over the last ten years that resulted in not winning the Super Bowl? No, you have Aaron Rodgers. But am I happy that they've been a team that's won between tw- ten and thirteen games every single season and is always in it and always has a look but to are do you, the thing? Are you ever bragging about the fact that the Packers? Like lose the Cowboys in the playoffs? I mean, no. They d- they've never lost to the Cowboys. I guess you're right. In the they, beat the they only beat the Cowboys okay, in the playoffs. All I'm saying is that the level of expectation is completely and utterly different for a handful of teams in the league, and Seattle should be one of those teams. It and they are one okay, of those. Okay, so then teams. if it's Super Bowl or bust, and I don't think they can win the Super Bowl, the idea that it's Super Bowl or bust is just it's just crazy. Like, you want every, like, okay, so there's one team that's going to win it, and everybody else sucks, and nobody else even no, has a look at being good, no, and everybody no, else needs to no, blow no, it up no, because you're, they're you're just terrible. You're completely misunderstanding my notion, though. It's a bad spot to be in to be where the Vikings were the last couple of years leading into this year. I am more happy as a Vikings fan that they're going to go 2-14 and because it's better for you in the long term. The Seahawks are the only franchise in the entire NFL that have been what they've been for 10 years. Not good enough to be considered absolutely elite since the Legion of Boom was disbanded. Or I'm talking just since their last Super Bowl. Okay, so five years. No, that's then. seven years. So they, This they, is the seventh season since they won the Super Bowl. And they went to the Super Bowl the, the year after that. If you have Patrick Mahomes, if you have Lamar Jackson, if you have Aaron Rodgers, if you have Russell Wilson, then anything short of winning the conference is a disappointment. Period. Guess what? There's four teams that got those four guys, and another team's got Drew Brees, and another team's got Tom Brady. And you know what? One of those teams maybe will win the Super Bowl, or maybe it'll be another team. So is it just is it just egg on everybody's face? You're, the point is, only one team can do it. Like, you want everybody to be able to win the Super Bowl that deserves to win the Super Bowl, but guess what? If you weren't the New England Patriots for half of the last 12 years, you didn't win the Super Bowl. I, I, I understand, but... You're completely and utterly missing my point. I think you're missing your own point. No, the Seahawks don't have the personnel, and that's the whole point. They are in, they should be in the same realm as all the teams you just named, and I don't think that they are. I think that they're belying that notion. They're they're deceiving the American public, especially people that play fantasy football, because they're putting up these numbers. All I'm saying, I mean, hold on. You tell me what you think of what I just said because I'm going to look up their schedule because they have they haven't played. I mean, the Patriots are pretty good on defense, but the Falcons and the Cowboys, to me, the you, Patriots going into the season, you said was the best defense in football. Yes, and then they had their what? I think they had seven guys who played 500 plus snaps a year ago opt out. Six guys opted out. I don't know how many of those were on the defense. Three, four, four guys. They had maybe. five. Kyle Vanoy. Danny Shelton. He didn't opt out. He's in, he got shipped out. Okay. Well, they they lost six guys that played five. Hightower and Patrick Chung. They were the two, only they were headliners. the only defensive. They're the only defense in the NFL that had six players that played five hundred snaps with them a year ago that are not on the team now. For whatever reason that is, the only defense in the NFL five hundred plus snaps. Six guys gone. Belichick's the genius. They still got Stefan Gilmore. They still got they still got the real deal, and they just got shredded. Okay. Here's the here's here's the best way I could state this point. 
The Seattle Seahawks have the exact same chance to me to win the Super Bowl as the Buffalo Bills, which is, and it's not as good of a chance as at least five other teams in the NFL. And that, to me, is a referendum on them because they should be in that upper, that top five tier, given the guy they have playing quarterback. There's only two teams in the AFC that you and I are going to agree have a real deal shot at winning the Super Bowl, right? And they're playing tonight against each other. I think, the, I think that the Bills have a better shot of winning the AFC than the Seahawks do of winning the NFC. I didn't say the NFC. I just said the... You think the Bills have a better chance of beating either Baltimore or Kansas City or both than the than the Seahawks do of beating whoever they would need to beat? I think the Seahawks lose 10 out of 10 times in Lambeau. That is crazy. That is crazy. I don't think so, man. The, 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 you know what the, the Seahawks are? The Green Bay Packers. I mean, they are almost the they are almost Except identical to one another. the Packers have significantly better personnel on defense. No, they don't. Yes, they do. They have Preston Smith, Ladarius Smith, Kenny Clark, Kenny Amos. Clark's those, out. Guys, those guys are all better than what the Seahawks got. Jamal Adams be the best player on either of those two teams on defense. You can't win without line play. The, the Green Bay Packers are way better on the lines. Way better. They are they are much better on the offensive line. It is a fact, and they're better on the defensive line too. The Seahawks do not have a pass rusher like Lizadarius Smith. They do not. That is true. You are right. I mean, the Packers made multiple plays in the in the opposing backfield last night. I know they could not tackle Alvin Kamara in the open field, but <laughs> no, they sacked Drew Brees many times. The Seahawks cannot fabricate a pass rush. They have to blitz their safety to get a pass rush. You can't first, win in the playoffs. First play of the second half, pass rush right up the middle hits. Uh, 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 Dak Prescott on a throw, ball pops up in the air, intercepted back to the five yard line, touchdown Seahawks. I'm so ball. tired of talking about the Seahawks because my stance on them is not going to change, and I there's no way I'm going to be able to affirm a win in this argument until January. Well, that's true, but I got great news. Your 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 stance already did change from week zero to week three. Yeah, when Russ w- Cook is working better than I thought, but I still Absolutely. don't think it's a sustain- You're missing my point, though. You're taking a different path to the same result. That's exactly what they're doing. I have a whole bunch of other things to say about the NFL. Let's take a break and talk about things that don't have to do with the most frustrating team in the league to analyze. No chance they're the most frustrating team. Your team's the most frustrating. No, no, that's not frustrating at all. It's cut and dry. When you have the worst quarterback in the league and you get rid of all your best players, you suck. Welcome to the Vikings. <laughs> They're not the worst. They're like easily, easily outside the bottom five. Next. <laughs> Change is constant. And nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more. Maybe it's just because you don't know them when they're playing and then you do feel like you know them when they're announcing or broadcasting or analyzing or whatever, but has there ever been a guy that was more anonymous as an NFL quarterback than Dan Orlovsky that's more fire on television and then as an analyst than Dan Orlovsky? Man, I love Dan Orlovsky. It's kind of like to be a great NBA coach, you had to have been like a mediocre NBA point guard. 
to be a great <laughs> TV analysis analyst, you have to be a former mediocre quarterback. I mean, think of all the guys that are. I mean, Steve Young's great. Steve Young's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Phil Sims drives me crazy. I could not agree with you more. Tony Fat. Tony Romo drives me beyond crazy. I know you like him. I do like he, Romo. He drives me crazy too. But most of the guys that are the, the most consistent in terms of daily takes and be able to churn out real content yeah. are Dan Orlovsky, Danny, Danny Cannell, Cannell's good. The, yeah. the Hasselbeck brothers. Yeah. And and the, all those guys were. I mean, I guess Matt Hasselbeck was pretty darn good. Yeah, he was in in, in his at his high water mark. He was a he was a very very good quarterback. Uh, but. He's not a Hall of Famer or something like that, you know. What we're talking about, though, is what makes sports both great and important. And I think it's that losing is a part of life. Persevering after you lose is one of the most essential parts of being a successful Mm. human. It's why, like, Michael Jordan at his peak was, was experiencing one of the greatest lives a human could live. But I think that Michael Jordan, by and large, is probably going to have a more miserable second half of your life than even you or me. <laughs> the, 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 I mean, the money aside, but, but you can't. How do you, how do you stoke what makes you you if you're Michael Jordan when you can't play competitive sports anymore? Well, you golf. You I golf, mean. certainly. But you know what I'm saying? Like, finding that, that sense of accomplishment is yep. is going to be so fleeting for him. Well, I mean he's he bought he's got his basketball team. He just bought a NASCAR team, right? Sure. So, you know, maybe those sure. are the ways, but it ain't but, the same. But you're chasing it, right? Well, sure. Like yeah. Steve Kerr yeah. can chase it all the way until he's done chasing it and it's a similar level of self-satisfaction and accomplishment for him cuz he's in it, he's involved he's in it, in he's it, doing it. He's in it, but also because of who he is, he's always overachieving and that comes with a certain um, reverence from people around you. If you're an owner mm-hmm. of, of a professional franchise and you win a championship, how, what level of satisfaction do you think there is? Wow. I think it depends on what sort of owner that you are. Right. It certainly varies on the person. Like if Jerry Jones won a Super Bowl or another Super Bowl as an owner, especially with yeah. the 20 year, he would. He would be over the moon, obviously thrilled, and also believe that it had a lot to do with him. And in some, I mean, as the GM, perhaps it would have a lot to do with him. Uh, I think there's other owners who, like, winning would be, I don't know, they, they, they get so happy. I, I feel like owners, half the time, are just happy to be on the stage, the ones getting an award or a you know a trophy or whatever, because you know they never get seen or whatever. It's some feather in the cap, and they you know the reason they got all this money is because of some plight that they had as children, and they were bullied or whatever it is, and now they came through and they manufactured a ton of money and they bought a team, and now they get to show everybody that they they did the thing. Maybe I'm over you know maybe 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 I'm wrong on that, but that's the feeling I get very often from owners accepting championship trophies. You know, it's like, I'm not saying if I was an owner and won a championship, I'm not saying I wouldn't be down there, but there's, I just can't, I can't envision a scenario in which I'm the one who's like, yeah, I need to stand here next to the commissioner and accept this trophy on behalf of the people who actually did the thing while I'm up here counting my money. It just so depends on if you run your team like a small business, like Mark Cuban or a corporation like Steve Ballmer or like 
a you're the owner like your thing you're the owner of commodities mm. like so many owners i think that's the part that the american sports watching public maybe doesn't understand donald sterling is not an anomaly he I, i'm not saying that all owners are like that but there's I just got done listening to this Cam Chronicles, the a podcast by The Ringer about Carolina in general and Cam Newton in general. We'll get into it in a minute. But um, I think that if you run your pro sports franchise and you treat your players like assets and or commodities, then your level of engagement in it is going to be much, much, much different than someone mm. that treats it like a like humans, like Mark Cuban does. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. By the way, the reason we got into this, Dan Orlovsky, tweeted yesterday my Owen 16 Lions he was on one one of the actually couple Lions teams that 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 had a goose egg for this season my Owen 16 Lions would beat the Jets 16 times <laughs> what a tweet so good what a tweet the Jets what was the final of that game like 30 37 to 10 something like that they I lose to Indy right. pick six on the first drive of the game they gave up another defensive touchdown to the Colts and uh or, I mean they're just they are you know they're supposed to be building with Sam Darnold and 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 you know him is this his third or fourth year I guess in the league and this is you know he's supposed to be the centerpiece and coming into his own and it has just all fallen to ash around him in terms of personnel period and certainly in terms of the head coach it's being reported today that if the 0-3 Jets lose Thursday to the 0-3 Denver Broncos, who, by the way, are without their starting quarterback. Uh, that will be the last game of the tenure of Adam Gase for the New York football Jets. Um, yeah, How much validity there is to that report, I think, is probably a fair amount. Uh, we'll find out what happens. I This is going to be a heck of a football game on Thursday night. I mean, I cannot wait for this, for the two 0-3 teams to get their one and only win of the season. Who's it going to be? Um, but it's uh, uh, quite a thing that has happened in, in New York. And, I mean, what do you do? I mean, that's a, that's a bad football team that doesn't want it. I thought last year that this was going to be the Dolphins. do with it, though. That's- no, this, and this is to your point about overcoming adversity. One of the reasons I, I kind of liked Miami this season, just to, to be a team that took a significant step forward and maybe won six or seven games, do you remember their first two weeks last year? They lost like a combined 110 to to seven or something. Well, yeah, they Lamar played Jackson Baltimore. Almost that's right. sixty on. Them. But it was, I mean, it was embarrassing, right? Oh, it, yeah. it looked like this is this these this team is in the running to be one of the all time worst teams. And I, it looked like okay, it's quitting time. We're out. Give me my paycheck. I'm good. And that's why I give Brian Flores so much credit, man, because he pulled it out of the fire. They improved throughout the season. They did not quit, and they ended up. What, what did they do? They beat New England right on the last week of the season to to force the the the. Uh, the the game that was the opening round of the playoffs in Foxborough that they ended up losing to Tennessee. So Miami, I thought was this this New York Jet team, this looks like it could be in the running for worst of all time. I mean, at this very moment in time, this is this well, is as BAD as it gets. Here's the thing, man. In, in a salary cap league, personnel is usually only one of your issues. If you ever reach a point in the NFL where your team appears to have no passion to play, mm-hmm. that is the worst case scenario. Worst, worst case. You yes. will get drilled by four touchdowns uh, by every everybody. single yes. week. Yes, you will. Yep. Uh, what else you got around the NFL? The Falcons uh, just. I meant to drop this stat on the radio. Amazing. I meant to drop this down on the radio last week. 
This is a stat courtesy of the Athletic. Heading into the Cowboys game, the Atlanta Falcons-Dallas Cowboys game last week, teams that had scored 39 or more points and committed zero turnovers in a single game were 440-0 and 0 in those games. 39 points, no turnovers. You are undefeated in the history of the league. No one had ever lost. Then the Falcons did it. They lost. Yes, they did. And then they did it again. And they did, they blew. What did they blow the lead yesterday? I don't. What they weren't up at by. They as were. Many, oh, I think it was. I think it was fifteen in the fourth again. Uh, but yeah. Well, it's it's a complete self fulfilling prophecy. It's absolutely um, a trend, and I think that Dan Quinn is absolutely number one on the hot seat right now. Nick Foles is officially the quarterback for the Chicago Bears. That's too bad. Who are 3-0. Three, three oh. I was so excited to just watch the demise of Trubisky over and over and over Well, again. you have watched it. It's it's officially uh, demised, and uh, that might be it for... I mean, as long as they win, which they're remarkably, they are 3-0, and oh, and they will not uh, be uh, undefeated for much longer, as far as I could tell. Uh, but... Uh, I mean, this is this is one of the, this is one of the all time fails, right? Where you take Mitchell Trubisky, thirteen starts in his entire college career over Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. Yes, yeah, it's brutal. Um, well, here I got a stat for you: the okay. Green Bay Packers, who uh, you like and I love, they've started strong. They are the first team in the history of the NFL, mm-hmm. history of the NFL to have their first three games scoring 35 points or more and no turnovers in any of the three games. Never happened before. And by the way, in the history of the Green Bay Packers, they've never had three games to start a season without a turnover in any one of the games. It's never happened for Green Bay, just that alone, to say nothing of the points they've scored. So it has gone well. It, I, I, I'm very happy with what I've seen out of Green Bay. They played, hello, the Lions and the Vikings in the first two weeks of the season. Divisional wins, that's all great and wonderful. Those are two not very good teams, although the Lions did beat Arizona yesterday. I thought this game last night, Sunday, that was going to be a great game. I think it was relatively equal because they were both down their number one ace stud wide receiver, Michael Thomas and Devontae Adams. So that kind of cancels itself out. And, you know, winning by a touchdown in New Orleans, very different without fans. That's one of the places where it really matters that the home game just ain't what it would be. Um, the Saints are out of sorts. As the well. Saints are out of sorts, man. They're one and two, and they don't they they're they're missing an element more than just well, Michael Thomas isn't playing. Well, they're missing the key element in the NFL. The number one factor that can completely doom your franchise is a lack of passion. That's what the Jets got. The number two factor that can completely doom your franchise, though, is lack of discipline, and that's what the Saints have right mm. now. They're the most penalized team in the NFL by far, mm. and like. The translation of hype and media to what happens on the field on Sundays is so key, especially when you are one of the anointed and favorited teams and a team that's been a contender forever. When you're Taysom Hill and you're getting everything in the world written about you, you're getting ESPN the magazine, you're on Sports Illustrated, you know, NewOrleans.com is writing this huge feature story about you on Sunday. When you've been this intriguing guy, what which I get I get why he gets a little bit of the hype. There's a lot that goes into it. His background, where he's from, where he went to school. There's a lot that goes into what makes him a compelling person, not the least of which is that he's a phenomenal athlete. But in terms of what he's actually done on the football field, he's the single most overpaid player in the entire NFL. He touched the ball less than 100 times last year. He signed a $16 million a year contract. Yep. That's amazing. I get what he could be. But when you're in the game and you're playing the Packers in what a lot of people are projecting as an NFC Championship preview game, you cannot, under any circumstance, fumble the ball. Mm. You cannot. 
if Drew Brees is on the sideline and you are the one that gets the snap, run backwards until the one-yard line. You can't fumble it. You cannot give the Packers the yeah. ball right there, and he did. Yeah. And that's just a microcosm of the lack of discipline they're playing with right now, though. A Sean Payton team does not run a gadget play that results in a turnover ever. And that's what the Saints... I mean, the Saints have been one of the most consistent teams in the league for 10 years because of their discipline, and somehow they've lost that these first three weeks of the year. Um, one last note on just the NFL at large. The game tonight is going to be a great game by, you know, you couldn't have a better matchup right here in week three than these two teams yep. with these two quarterbacks. And I think if you were asking any, you know, polling people who who's the most electrifying player that they want to watch, 90% of the returns would name either one of these two quarterbacks, right? Yep. yep. Not for me. The number one guy in the league right now today that I would pay money to go watch is quarterbacking the Buffalo Bills. Oh, boy. Josh Allen. See, he's number two for me. You want to know who number one is? Who? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I mean, the Rod show is, it's it says legit as it's ever been. He's making the Jordan Love pick look worse and worse by the week. All I'm saying is that the whole narrative of Aaron Rodgers won't answer his phone for a week when the Green Bay front office is trying to call him, and he's sitting at his house drinking scotch and crying. Nah. If... I'm saying yeah, because if that's really what it was and this is the result that you're going to get, it's the greatest draft day poll in the history of the league. It doesn't matter. Jordan Love might never play a snap. If they, if you get MVP Aaron Rodgers out of by pissing him off, yeah. what a move. Do it. Well, here's my thing, though. It, Josh Allen ain't a top five quarterback in this league. He may not be even a top seven, eight quarterback in this league, although he is very good. But there, I mean, if you want the definition of gunslinger, the definition of will not let it go, the definition of risk reward, he's your guy. They're up 28 to 3 and I'm not saying it was all on him, but they're up 28 to 3 and you turn around and they're down 32-28 and you got to go score a touchdown and much was made of the pass interference on the Rams and all that. Okay, that's fine. He goes and gets it done and they win the football game. He should have been you know, he had he fought off two tackles Dude. that were late sacks to throw the ball away to still end up with a face mask call. The fact that he wasn't taken down, remarkable. He is absolutely awesome to watch play football. I mean, it's for, for good, bad, or otherwise, it is as exciting as it could possibly be watching Josh Allen, of all people, play football in the league right now. I mean, he's a straight roller coaster. A roller coaster. The entire time. I yes. Mean, he should have never even been in the situation to have a two-minute drill. The fact that he executed it after completely digging himself a 15-foot yes. grave was amazing. I mean, he, he was it was third in like 22, and they come up with it. And then it was, you know, whatever it was, fourth and or you know, third and third and twenty on like the twenty-two yard line. They get a they get the penalty, and then it's just over the top. He throws five touchdowns, he throws a couple of picks, the Bills are three and oh, and the Bills Mafia is Checking themselves into the car, you know the, the the cardio wards at the hospitals right now. Let's get out because I want to talk about Cam Newton because you want to know who Josh Allen reminds me of. Who Cam Newton? <laughs> I see that. All right, next. Change is constant, and nowhere is this more true than with your company's network and network security. With an SD-WAN solution from Blackfoot Communications, you get the best of both worlds. A scalable network to quickly connect remote offices and the protection from downtime that ensures your network is always on. For more information, visit blackfootbusiness.com or call 866-541-5000. Blackfoot. Connect to more.
is Josh Allen Cam Newton? An intriguing question. Sutel Nuwana is 102.9 ESPN Radio, SWX Montana Television. If you missed anything in the show today, check it out on the podcast. The Sutel Nuwana's podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Rate, review, subscribe, listen anytime, all the time. Podcast available thanks to Blackfoot Communications. All right, Coulter, I'll bite. I wouldn't have put that together. Cam Newton and Josh Allen, both big, both runners. But what do you, what, do you, what, 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 what brings them together to you? Well, I think that there's a definitive element of when you're playing quarterback in the league. If you are an intellectual mastermind like Peyton Manning or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, even although Aaron Rodgers is probably the best combination of transcendent athletic talent as well as uh, mental aptitude. You're, that resonates with your teammates. If you're the consummate leader who is about everything he says, he's you're about it, like Drew Brees, that also resonates with your teammates. But in the modern-day NFL, I think the easiest way to win over a locker room, especially if you play for a defensive-minded franchise in a non-primary market, is to be tough as hell. Yeah, Ryan Fitzpatrick keeps getting Dude, gigs. Fitzpatrick, bro. Fitzpatrick keeps getting gigs because he's tough as hell, man. It's not just because he went to Harvard. It's not just because he can learn schemes. It's because... The defense will play harder for you when he's your quarterback. When he scored the touchdown on Thursday night, Ryan Fitzpatrick, you'd have thought that they, that they won a playoff game, man. The sideline went ballistic for Fitzpatrick just running in a touchdown. And I think there's a finite amount of time that it can actually last, and I think that's why you see just little blips in the radar like Tim Tebow all the way up to I think it can last for a, a certain long period of time just depending on it, but... I listened to the Cam Chronicles, which is a podcast series that The Ringer produced Mm. this last year. It's a six-part series. It's absolutely worth listening to. If you're interested in the overlay of race in America, it's profound. And I won't get into too much of the inner working details, but I think that in the American sports, as people that follow it really in depth, a lot of times we gloss over – it's easy to forget certain elements. The Carolina Panthers were terrible. Before Cam Newton got there, mm. it's easy to forget that because as soon as this is where you know, they had a one high water mark with like Jake DeLome, you know, back right. in the 90s. But or this whatever. is what happens when we readjust our expectations. As soon as Cam Newton leads them on basically an undefeated season and wins the MVP and they go to the Super Bowl and then they lose, now the expectations are completely readjusted and you expect Super Bowl or bust for the Carolina Panthers. Cam Newton created those expectations. The reason I think that Cam Newton and Josh Allen are the same is because of the spirit that they play with. Mm. I don't think they're the same in personality because Josh Allen's not going to try to become a fashion icon. I don't think he's <laughs> yeah. I don't think he's the enigma of uh, uh that Cam Newton is and I also don't think that he's the icon to a community. I mean, but Cam Newton, I think that it's hard for even us out west to really understand. Cam Newton is such an unbelievably impactful icon in the South in America because he's a black quarterback in the South mm-hmm. who who wasn't just a by the book type of guy. He's flamboyant. He's Doing outside of the box. Goes and to Auburn and then goes to, to Charlotte, North Carolina. He's bold and he yeah. did it his own way. I would just encourage people to listen to it. My comparison is just because I think that teammates will sell out for the leadership style that both Cam Newton and Josh Allen have. That's sort of where the comparison ends though. And we'll get into this a little bit more tomorrow because I want to talk more about this. But I, I, I think that talk radio, mainstream media, we analyze and scrutinize, especially quarterbacks, at a very high level. And so I'm not saying that anybody's off the hook for any specific reason. I think that teams across the board and quarterbacks across the board get scrutinized. But when it comes to the broad level, Sunday night football, Monday night football, when America's watching, and it's not the people that are watching NFL Live, it's not the people that are listening to Tell Nuanas, it's just you know the, the Midwestern mom watching. 
The narratives that they spin are so much different for certain quarterbacks, and it drives me nuts. Mm. We heard nothing but when's Cam Newton going to break down and, and fall apart forever. And we've heard nothing but Drew Brees is still good. Mm. That's all we heard on the broadcast last night. Drew Brees has still got it. Don't worry about the arm strength. That kind of stuff drives me crazy. We'll get into it tomorrow. But Cam Chronicles is definitely worth listening. Very important this day and age. Ten seconds. Baltimore minus three and a half at home versus Kansas City. Who you got? I got KC in the over. Big money, baby. Give me the Baltimore Ravens to win this game. Whether or not they cover is not my worry. I think the Baltimore Ravens going to have it for the Kansas City Chiefs this evening. What's up, Lamberty? See you later. Have a good Tuesday, Monday night. See you tomorrow. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia. When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.